0: about bringing up controversial subjects and a series of quests for strange harbors. It feels good. Guidance is internal. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity. Do you not think there are things in this universe which you cannot understand and which are true? Two, one.
1: Welcome to Far Off Topic, episode 23. I'm your host, Fiasco Jones, talking to you from the Brazen Hands studio, known by those in the psychiatric field as the smallest closet in my house. Uh, I'm all alone this week. Solo Lobo. Tiwi and Jax have been reabsorbed into their daily lives, and they don't have time to bullshit with me anymore. No, just kidding, but they are busy, they are quite busy So I am all alone this week I was hoping to postpone the show long enough to get everyone on board But it just it wasn't working out So uh, I have taken some time to play around with the format a bit So we're just going to push ahead with whatever I have just created today um, So that's what you get uh, Maybe you won't notice Maybe you won't No, yes, you will notice You definitely will Um, So when I'm putting these shows together, I'm usually writing things down in my backyard in the middle of the night. But this show came about uh, a a little differently. It came together last week while I was holed up in a residence inn as part of the coronavirus safety protocols for my job. It was there that I started reflecting on the current state of the pandemic. Of course, it's, it's not like I haven't thought about this before. Clearly, we've done a couple shows on it by this point. It's just a kind of a strange thing to be... Staying in a hotel in the city you live in where your your house is only about a few miles away. Um, and I think maybe that kind of dislodged something in my head. I started thinking selfishly about how little I've made of this time, which of course really irritates me. I'm instantly reminded of a phone conversation with my friend just a few weeks ago. Somewhere along the normal ebb and flow of the conversation, he just kind of bluntly asked, so, uh, how lame is this apocalypse? And I I thought, you know, (laughs) well put, actually, well put. This alleged apocalypse has indeed been quite lame, at least for me and everyone I know, of course. Definitely not so much for anyone who's lost a loved one or survived the illness or lost their job. But far away from those real concerns, safe in my home, I dwelled on the question. I thought back to my previous expectations for the weeks and months heading into the lockdown. Back in May, I was with another group of friends talking about the impending doom creeping through the country as one after another states began to lock themselves down. Nevada at this point was going into it. and We didn't know exactly what that would look like. Uh, it was unprecedented and honestly quite eerie. It felt like the thing a government would do prior to all hell breaking loose. So that's obviously where my head went as we started pitching possible scenarios for the future. It was a dark conversation. I recall imagining a scene in what I thought would be the near future where I'd be in bed trying to fall asleep. Listening to the muffled sounds of respiratory distress from all the houses neighboring my own. I was imagining this because I thought that it was necessary to consider this possibility in case I had to deal with it. Saying it out loud was therapeutic, in a way. Turns out, I didn't need to perform that exercise. I'm just a morbid person, I guess. But, that was the apocalypse I was expecting. The one I was told was on its way. And I think a lot of us were told was on its way. A few weeks into the lockdown, still on watch for the horsemen of pestilence riding across the sky, I thought of keeping a coronavirus diary. Something to journal the harrowing times to come, you know? I mean, it was the apocalypse on its way, right? That idea was quickly abandoned because I soon realized it would have just been a diary of household chores and otherwise mundane upkeep. The lockdown, it turns out, was not very exciting. It was boring and incredibly lame. And I thought back to that conversation with my friend. This is not the apocalypse I was expecting. The longer I thought about this, uh, I began to feel the same resentment about the lockdown that I'm sure overcame many an over militarized fascist. What must be the same ill sentiment that compelled them to march on their nearest state house? They were experiencing the same things I did boredom. We wanted action, not, not dish duty. It had to be a hoax, right? It had to. And now it seems we've won the argument. All the bored assholes won. The country is opening back up, lockdown averted. <laughs> Hooray, right? Uh, well, these, uh, these recent infection numbers in the South seem troubling to me. So Florida reported over 3,200 additional coronavirus cases just last week. That was the largest single-day count in the state since the pandemic began. And it's like that across the South. Everywhere they started opening up and had really lax protocols, uh, we're seeing numbers climb up. I am hearing the good Dr. Fauci say reassuringly and decisively that there won't be a second wave. Nada. Just keep social distancing and staying away from the crowds, and we're in the clear. Again, hooray! But I'm not so sure. Because there's another group of scientists that are saying we might be in big trouble. Yeah, yeah, if we keep social distancing and staying away from crowds, we might be all right. But I'm not sure if you've noticed, but when I make an emergency sortie to the grocery store, or anywhere for that matter, provisioned as I am like an extra from the movie Outbreak, it's hard not to see that most everyone else isn't doing any of those things to ensure that the evil covid germs are dutifully buried inside the dustbin of history the metaphor i see most folks trying to realize is a sloppy pile of snot covered tissues spilling out of a stained bag filled to the brim with disease kind of dustbin this is not at all comforting it does not inspire the kind of hope the good dr fauci is proclaiming when he says there won't be a second wave i mean are you sure buddy are you sure So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is the apocalypse I was waiting for. Maybe these last three months were just prologue. You know, that slow bit before every disaster movie where all the character building happens? That part is faithfully quite boring. But then the action starts. Hooray? (laughs) Let's hope not, right? Because who really wants an apocalypse that's ever really been through one? Bored people? people who've invested a fortune in doomsday preparedness, Mad Max aficionados, all of the above I assume. The truth is, no one wants the real thing. Everyone wants to pretend that the real crisis is actually just a hoax because it's boring. So just forget about it. But at the same time, they do want a little action, a little something to talk about other than the weather when they're shooting the shit with a guy at the local dive bar. I think this feeling was best exemplified by M.D. and author of a book on pandemics called Pandemic, Gary Ridenauer. He was shoehorned into a recent episode of Coast to Coast AM so he could rattle off some Republican talking points about the pandemic. George Norrie expectedly pitched him some softballs and asked about his thoughts on the lockdown. Predictably, he thought the lockdown was a terrible idea and we can't do that again. If it happens again, we have to ride it out. He said we have to, quote unquote, take the hit. This would seem to suggest that he doesn't think the virus is that sinister. If you say take the hit, you can't be expecting a very deadly outbreak because that'd be pretty fucking ghoulish. But maybe just two minutes later, when he's asked what the country should expect for the future as it's related to a second wave, like a good showman or storyteller or bored asshole that's trying to stoke the fire so his buddies around the bar can lean in and listen. He didn't miss his cue. He said with an air of ominous triumph, it's going to get worse. Ridenour is clearly amped up for a, a particular kind of apocalypse. He seems comfortable with a deadly pestilence that sweeps across the nation, killing people at random, just don't close any businesses. God, no, not that. He doesn't even want to think about the toll of an economic apocalypse. That future scares the shit out of him. Turns out that's far too real for him to imagine. And with the WHO reporting that the world has beaten the previous record for reported cases of COVID-19 and that infections are accelerating, that would seem to support at least half of what Ridenauer was saying. It's going to get worse. This should probably be good news to all the doomsday preppers, bored assholes, and myself. Because uh, that means we'll actually get to see some action after all. Hmm. I don't know if well. We should really cheer for that. I think there's a saying that covers this. Beware what you ask for. It's not like in the movies. Something like that. Now we just have to wait and see. I'll be back after the break.
0: Sisters, remember that we all lose sight of the path of righteousness. We are all but human, and times of hardship, self-pity, and lust will lead us away from our divinity. But know that our Lord will always show us the way ahead. For as the scriptures say, there is light where there was light and it will guide you back to the majesty of salvation. Sit luck, sit luck, sweet. And so it was told to us from the cultic script, the apocryphon of Ophiuchus. Tell me you know, tell me you feel it brothers and sisters. Tell me you can feel the light. Chapter 65, verse 10. For Asleepius saw in the vision, truth in the form of a coiled serpent with no tail and two heads. The first head was named Aeon, and the second, Archon. From both mouths, they spoke of the universal unlimited gnosis girding all creation. Whereas Aeon spoke forthright, Archon spoke in cipher and riddle. Asleepius could not comprehend the admixture language of truth, and ciphered truth. Thus the message was concealed from him. So it was for this Ophiuchus awoke in the man the Tablet of Verities with which to comprehend the coiled serpent of ages. And he understood. Eia, Eia, Eia. Eia, Eia, Eia. So we learn that the Tablet of Verities resides in all of us. It will guide us back toward the truth and that lighted path for which Ophiuchus has drawn out for us. Back to salvation and his eternal son, Sol Invictus. Join Dr. Rutherford Braithwaite Ames for an hour of Ophiuchian gospel with his Knowledge of Divinity radio sermons on this station every Friday at 12 a.m., followed by The Colors of Madness with Adolph Summers at 4 a.m. You've been listening to krx Radio, pah
1: To date, at least to my knowledge... I've never been hexed or cursed or otherwise accosted by those who practice the fine art of sorcery or the supernatural. Call it witchcraft, ritual magic. I'm not sure if there's a agreed-upon term about having a spell put on you, but you, know, you get my drift. Maybe a curse? A curse? That's not to say that others aren't currently being set upon by arcane rites and esoteric spells of binding. If, in fact, you are currently dressed head to toe in a padded suit of armor staring out at a group of angry but peaceful protesters through a clear plastic face shield, you're probably getting hexed as we speak. It turns out that firing tear gas and beating people up who are fighting for our freedoms by exercising their First Amendment rights is the kind of thing that inspires a lot of ill will. And I don't blame them. Hex away, I say. It's the only thing it seems we're still allowed to do to protest against an unjust legal system without having to risk being maimed or losing our lives in the process. Not yet, at least. Hex away. It's probably more effective than my impotent hand-waving at cable news entities. So hex away! Do something to banish this constant inundation of crap that never seems to get fixed year after year. Maybe it's time to turn to the supernatural for a bit of a push in the right direction. This story was inspired by an article I read about concerned and politically aware witches who drew down the power of the moon on behalf of Black Lives Matter protesters. An excerpt from that article lays the situation out like this. Organizing under the Witches for BLM hashtag, practicing witches are teaching each other how to cast simple spells, draw sigils, and manifest intentions. The movement seems to have started with a comment from a TikTok user, Becky Does Life. This was in response to a TikTok by mm, Venexum.exe, in which the practicing witch filmed herself casting a protection spell for protesters rallying against police brutality. In just five days, the tag Witches for BLM garnered a collective 10 million views on the app. That this is a story that's covered in the press fascinates and thrills me. We truly do live in the worst and best of times. That we have a racist system that has gone on without any oversight for so long is the worst. That people of every segment of society are willing to come out to fight that injustice is one of the greatest things I think I've ever seen in my lifetime. That said, uh, here's hoping for a long life of more greatness to come. But regarding the use of magic for political ends... That's nothing new. And no, I'm not talking about the ye olde times of kings and wizards. Think more 2016-ish. That time when an orange maggot ascended to the presidency. Turns out I wasn't the only one appalled by the outcome that night. Surprising.
0: We reject the president-elect! We reject the president-elect!
1: For my part, I went downstairs from the hotel I was staying at in New York and walked the Manhattan streets along with a few hundred other disgusted Americans all the way to Trump Tower to take part in the moment of rage or more like disappointment, I guess. But while I was standing in front of Trump's gold-laden shithole, another group of disgusted individuals was taking to the ether to send curses toward America's unrighteous heir apparent. Much like the current batch of politically motivated witches, pagans of all stripes aired their discontent to any myriad of elder god or spirit that would listen. In a BBC report from The Time, they said, At the stroke of midnight on Friday, followers of witchcraft across the U.S. performed a mass spell designed to stop the president doing harm. A Facebook group devoted to the ritual has attracted over 10,000 likes and coined the hashtag... Magic Resistance. The development has sparked fury among Christian conservatives who have accused the witches of declaring spiritual war. So, this magic resistance went on for months. They started calling themselves the Resistance Witches. Groups would gather across the world to cast spells of binding against Trump. It sounds like a beautiful time, honestly. But it should be noted that uh, even in what might seem from the outside like a hippy-dippy world of magic, witchcraft, and spiritual liberalism, there is a contingent that totally loves Trump. And they did their part to protect Trump from the evil witches. It just so happens that this counteroffensive came from the same group formerly headed by Aleister Crowley, who proclaimed himself, back in the day, the Beast 666 And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to Satan-shame anyone, but you gotta love how life writes a story. In fairness, actual Satanists, by and large, sided with the anti-Trump witches. So this is what the pro-Trump pagan occultists were saying. In a blog post for the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, they write... Although the magic against Trump was clearly an utter and complete failure, David Griffin, Rosicrucian Imperator of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, Alpha Omega, and his wife, Leslie McQuaid, nearly met their demise on two separate occasions just weeks after they decided to perform a ritual of their own to defend and protect the president from any negative energies thrown at him. On Independence Day, Griffin was involved in a tragic crash in the Mojave Desert, which totaled his Jaguar Vanden Plas in a way that eerily resembled how their late son, Adam Cadmon Griffin, lost his life in an unfortunate accident only three years earlier. Luckily, Griffin's life was spared, and he escaped the accident without a scratch. In the second incident, Griffin's wife, Leslie, was involved in an alleged near-death hiking accident. They survive today to worship at the altar of the living Gomorrah of man, Donald Fuck-With-Trump. So, good on them, I suppose. Maybe their counterspell worked. They drew in all that positive energy and it nearly killed them. So, the witch war continues. Occult warfare has an interesting history, maybe even an inspiring one, depending on how open you are to working in a crisis. Back in 1940, England was experiencing its own string of crises in the form of military defeat, retreat, and threat of invasion. England was hurting after a round of losses to Hitler. First, the British Expeditionary Force defending France and Belgium were routed and forced to retreat in the face of the Nazi Blitzkrieg. That was followed by the disaster-slash-miracle at Dunkirk, where 300,000 British troops were attacked on the beach while waiting for Navy transports to take them back home. England was on the ropes, and rumors that Hitler was planning a full-scale invasion of the country took on a very sinister dread. It should probably be noted that the U.S. was still sitting on its hands at this point in the war and it wouldn't get involved for another year before the bombing of Pearl Harbor. So England was very much on its own. The possibility that the Nazis could capture the island was a very real and terrifying threat. It was under this canopy of terror a patriotic and very spiritual man by the name of Gerald Gardner set out to do the only thing he could do. He decided to cast a spell on Hitler. The 56-year-old Gardner had recently been initiated into the Rosicrucian Order Crotona Fellowship. He'd long been fascinated with and studied ancient cultures and beliefs, but it wasn't until late in his life that he fell headlong into occult practice. On Lamas Eve, August 1st, 1940, Gardner, along with 16 members of his new forest coven, walked into the woods to perform a very powerful ritual, a magical attack known as the Cone of Power. Details about the ritual are fuzzy. From what biographers and historians have gathered, the group started from Highcliffe and journeyed into the New Forest to an old gallows tree known as the Naked Man. And from there, they moved on foot to a clearing in the woods called Fernie Knapp. It was there that they formed what is described as a witch's circle. A shuttered lantern was placed on the east of the circle pointing toward Berlin, as a way to focus the power of the spell. Next, the group became skyclad, which is the Wiccan term for stripping naked. At this time, the group began to dance, each person moving along the circle in a spiraling pattern, going around and around and around. The group continued this, all the while building up an ecstatic fervor, which they believed would help control the magical forces welling up from within the circle. As their excitement grew, a cone of power, magical energy, rose from the circle and the group chanted in unison, imagining the cone reaching out toward the mind of Adolf Hitler. They said, You cannot cross the sea. You cannot cross the sea. You cannot come. You cannot come. It's impossible to know if the spell worked. All we know is that despite the fact that Hitler had assembled a fleet in preparation for an invasion of England, he never gave the order to proceed. Interesting, if you ask me. A special note, Gerald Gardner didn't leave his magical practices once he left the circle that night. Rather, he dedicated himself to reviving what he thought was a dead religion, which had been burnt to the ground so many centuries earlier. And it's because of him that we have Wicca, a neo-pagan religion practiced by millions around the world today. So, cheers. Thinking back to my time standing outside of the Trump Tower on a frosty November of 2016, I have to say the atmosphere did have an air of magical intention. Maybe it was the chanting. Maybe uh, it was my own inclination to perceive everything as a special moment arising to some greater end. Or perhaps it was just my hope that there was a power outside of myself that would intervene on my behalf, at least to dull the inevitable four years of gross right-wing bullshit. There's clearly no proof that that intention manifested into anything concrete, of course. No smoking gun signaling that the administration was bound up from manifesting its worst inclinations, say, uh, using the military to attack peaceful protesters. Nothing concrete like that. But (laughs) considering how terrible Trump's presidency has been these past four years, I think it's worth considering whether or not it was the magical resistance or just the incompetence of the man that has steered us away from complete disaster. Right now, I like to think it was a little of both. And as a new group of protesters gathers to speak truth to power, I can only hope someone somewhere is whispering into the ether, casting a cone of power against all those standing in their path. Hex away. And that's the show. Like I said, it was going to be a little different. And that's that's what it is. That's how different it is. It's just... <laughs> uh, maybe uh, I expect Tiwi and Jax to be back for the next one. So uh, in the meantime... You can reach us on Facebook at Far Off Topic Show and Far Off Topic on all the other socials. You can reach me on Twitter at Fiasco Jones. You can reach Tiwi at Jenny Said Stuff. And, of course, Jax is hidden inside the show notes. All new episodes are posted to our YouTube account. And if you go there, you can just look for more information and you'll see the show notes. Uh, You can find that YouTube account by searching for Far Off Topic. If you'd like to support the show, feel free to comment or rate. Most of all, thank you for listening, and until you hear from us again, so mode it be.